0: Nurses have been the most respected profession for the last 20 years. People trust them literally with their life, but sometimes those nurses choose to take things in a evil direction. This is Two Girls on a Campfire, and I'm Allison. And
1: I'm Sarah. And this week, we are going to be talking about nurses. Yay! I was really excited for this topic because uh, my dear friend Allison is a nurse.
0: I didn't tell a story about me though. I haven't killed any patients on purpose yet, so.
1: Oh, okay. Well, try not to do that, I think.
0: I'll try real hard. (laughs) Even if they irritate me a lot, right? Right, you know. Is it your turn to go first or mine? I can never remember. I think it's your turn. Okay, so my story today is about Janine Jones. Uh, she was born on July 13th, 1950, and she was immediately put up for adoption. Her new adoptive parents were Dick and Gladys Jones, and they adopted three other children as well, two that were older than her and one younger. She felt that growing up, she had a really hard time like getting attention, and she felt left out, and she felt like her parents didn't like her. And so even as like a teenager, she called herself like the family's black sheep. Even like I said, as a young teenager, she sometimes would pretend to be sick in order to get attention at school. She was like super bossy. She was short and overweight and that just added to her, you know, being lonely and kids are mean. There were acquaintances who called her aggressive and friends who said she betrayed them. She was known for being the liar and she would manipulate people to get what she wanted. She was very close to her younger brother, Travis, though. And when he was 14, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing as parents? He was putting together a pipe bomb that blew up in his face and killed him.
1: As 14-year-old boys do
0: right? So Janine was two years older than him. And so at the funeral, she was screaming, she fainted. Some people think that this trauma kind of egged on her future cruelty. And then other people said, you know, she's a woman, so she's just hysterical. And she was looking for any opportunity for attention.
1: I'm sorry, what year was this? And they're still calling women hysterical?
0: (laughs) Uh, This is 78-ish. Okay. Okay. So it was a while ago. Yeah. So while working at several medical clinics in and around San Antonio, Texas, she is out here doing the worst life and death games. She injects, we don't even know how many babies with life-threatening drugs. And she seemed like she got a thrill in putting these babies in danger and then putting herself in the role of the hero. So that was really what got her off. She liked being seen as this great nurse. She was a hero. She was taking care of these kids. Unfortunately, many of her babies that she was trying to save were actually, they died. And because she was kind of out and about and switching jobs, she moved around Texas a lot. And they don't know for sure how many people that she killed, but they're assuming it's somewhere between like 25 and 45 babies. That's horrible. Yeah. She's under investigation by the CDC and she's so fucking ballsy that she's still out there killing stuff. Injecting babies, doing whatever the hell she wants. Because at the time, her medical supervisors, like the charge nurse on her unit, they defended her. But when she, so she went to trial in 1984. And when she lost, hospital officials all over Texas, and again, fuck Texas, went and shredded all records of her working there. Because they didn't want to get called into like another trial or for them to be embarrassed that they didn't do shit when she was at their hospital.
1: That's insane.
0: Yeah. Because they didn't do anything while she was at their hospital. Like a couple different places were like, shit, we think she's killing people. Okay. We'll just let her go. It was ridiculous. That Wow. Okay.
1: I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's bad for business. That's bad for. Exactly. (laughs) It's bad for hospitals. (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah. Even though she's periodically investigated, she got fired from two separate medical offices. She continued to inject her babies with drugs that caused cardiac arrest and hemorrhaging. Uh, She was even directly accused by a fellow nurse at Baxter County Medical Center, and they had conducted three separate investigations into all the deaths they were having. But They couldn't get her directly. So babies being admitted to the intensive care unit had begun dying at like a crazy rate between May and December of 1981. They had seen the loss of about 20 infants from cardiac arrest or runaway bleeding. The vast majority of these cases were when she was on, when she was at work on her shift. But everybody thought of her as like this great nurse. Like I said, like, you know, she would take these sick babies and she'd resuscitate them and bring them back. And she was totally dedicated to her job at the hospital.
1: Yeah, but not everybody because somebody accused her, right? So, I mean, it's like how interesting that some people are totally like buying in and believing that she's this great nurse. And then, you know, you got the one or two that are
0: like, wait a minute, something's off. I think for the most part, the people like on her direct unit are the ones that are like, oh, she's great. You know, if we need help, we go to her if we have a new nurse, she trains them. And then it's people that are like on the outside looking in that are like, what is going on? Because they don't have that connection with her, I guess. Perspective, different perspective. Mm-hmm. So the first child that she took care of at her job at Bexar County Medical, they had a fatal intestinal condition. It was something they were born with. They were going to die. And when he died, she went fucking apeshit. Um, she was hysterical. The way that hospital was set up, they had like little cubicles for each baby, not really rooms. And so she takes a fucking stool and she goes and sits next to the, the, where the baby is dead. And she just like stares at him for hours at a time before they were finally like, "You should probably pass this baby along down to the morgue. People thought she was great, but then somebody was like, What the fuck is she doing? It soon became clear to her associates that she liked to feel needed. And she was starting to insist that certain babies would need like the most of her attention. So she'd have, you know, however many babies to take care of, but she would go and like single out one of them and be like, No, this baby needs me. And then that baby dies. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and like I said, so like they said she was great, but then right here, she skipped classes on the proper handling of drugs and in her first year made eight separate nursing errors, which if you make one, you usually get fired, including some that were while she was dispensing medication. And so that's like legit, you're getting fired if you fuck up meds, but they overlooked it and- she had this weird obsession with the really sick babies she would sometimes refuse doctors orders because she was the only one who knew what was best for that baby
1: so this like this behavior definitely
0: seems progressive
1: like, she's getting
0: worse. Right. Yeah, because she keeps getting away with it. So she's like, what do you mean I can do whatever I want? While all of those medication and just nursing errors she made were all grounds for dismissal. Also, she came in drunk one night. Not only did they let her work, they didn't fire her. What? This is like a s- Nurse Jackie. What is it? You can't go to work drunk. Yeah. But her head nurse, Pat Belko, liked her and protected her. And that helps with her like feeling invincible. Like she could do whatever the hell she wants. She never liked to admit to mistakes. And now she felt like she had that person of power that was going to back her up. So she really didn't have to. And then she started bullying other nurses that she felt were kind of, you know, impeding on her destiny and what she was supposed to be doing. And more than one nurse transferred out of that unit to get the hell away from her because they were tired of her shit. So in 1981, she starts demanding that she gets the sickest of the sick babies that made her usually a nurse. So, you know, the sickest babies are the ones that are probably going to die. So she gets to see that more often and she loved the excitement of an emergency. When her patients would die, it seemed like she would just grieve for them. And she always wanted to be the one to carry their bodies down to the morgue.
1: I don't think they just, like, give you a dead body or, like, hey, take this downstairs. Like, there's, like, a procedure,
0: right? Yeah, like, you know, you, like, cover up the bassinet and you kind of wheel it down there. But I guess in 81, again, she can do whatever hell she wants. Even the babies that she's killing on purpose, like, she didn't want to kill them. She wanted, you know, at first, she just wanted to resuscitate them. But when they die, like, she still loses her shit and is, like, hysterical and crying and feels so terrible that they die. So then it started to become clear that the kid, the babies that are dying, didn't have problems that should have been fatal. Like, they were sick, but they weren't, like, terminally sick. And the need for resuscitation was seemed really constant but only when she was working. I was actually reading this book called Deadly Medicine, which is about her. And in the book they would talk about, and like we do it at work. So like when you leave work, you're like, oh, my patients are fine. I'll see them tomorrow. Or if you know, like one is super sick, you're like, yeah, you know, they might not. So nurses would leave their babies and be like, oh, everybody's stable. They're great. I'll see them all tomorrow. And then they would come in to find out one of those babies had died. And they were like, it were fine yesterday when I left. One child had a seizure in three days, had a seizure every day for three days in a row, but only three to eleven when she was at work. And she even so she's so fucking confident that she can get away with anything. She even said during this kind of period, they're gonna start thinking I'm the I'm the death nurse. Like, who the fuck says shit like that? Especially when you're actually doing it.
1: I mean, this lady is obviously not all there right like who can kill a baby i don't even like babies and i wouldn't kill a baby (laughs) right
0: so then a baby named jose flores who was six months old went into cardiac arrest while in her care um he was revised revived but then he went into cardiac arrest again the next day and he died from bleeding out. Um, one of the people who thought, you know, something weird was going on was one of the pediatricians. And so he wanted them to run toxicology on the baby's blood. It indicated that he had been overdosed with heparin and heparin is a, it's a blood thinner. So the baby died from bleeding out because he gave out this huge amount of heparin, which thinned his blood so he couldn't clot and no one had ordered it. That wasn't a medicine that he was taking. So then Roland Santos, he was in the hospital for pneumonia. He started having seizures and then cardiac arrest and unexplained bleeding and all of his stuff either started or got worse on her shift. And then that same doctor who had discovered the heparin overdose goes to the hospital and is like, dude, she's fucking killing these babies. We need to do something. The hospital kind of investigates. Not really. Most of the nurses are still like, she's our best nurse. She's not doing it. How is that possible? Like connect the dots people. Yeah. And so, being a hospital, they don't want bad publicity, so they said, "Okay, we'll leave her alone." So, then they have another baby that's she's on the pediatric ICU, so she's in PICU for, to recover from open heart surgery. He was doing really good, getting better, but then on her shift, he suddenly becomes lethargic. His condition gets worse and worse. And he died. More batshit craziness. So after he dies, she grabs a fucking syringe with saline in it and freaking makes the sign. She squirts the water. Squirts the water on this baby and the sign of the cross and then did it to herself. Just like, what the fuck was everybody else thinking? Like, how could you think that was normal? She's such
1: a good nurse. (laughs)
0: I'm like, even if you didn't think she was killing babies, like, wouldn't you be like, what the fuck are you doing? We don't squirt babies. We don't do that. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to the hospital again. This is ridiculous. This is so-, <laughs> so then they start doing more inquiries and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And because, you know, they have the doctors who say she's doing it. The nurses say she's not. The hospital's kind of at like an impasse. They get a panel together with experts from other hospitals in the U.S. and Canada, and they came down and met, and they were going to go through, like, records and see what was going on. And the panel goes and starts interviewing all of the staff, and they're super surprised when one of the other nurses flat out says that Janine is killing these babies. But the panel doesn't really come to any conclusions, but they did suggest that the hospital get rid of Jones and the nurse who accused her and conveniently nurse Jones and this other nurse are LPNs so they're licensed practical nurses so the hospital decides that the best way to do it is to make it so that only registered nurses are allowed to work in the PICU Jones and that other nurse are let go however they gave her a fucking great endorsement they sent her with a reference letter that she was great and here's all this stuff. She's so
1: awesome. We just totally had to fire her because she kills a lot of babies. But you should hire her. <laughs> just don't put her near the children. What kind of
0: who like what kind of person could write a letter like that with a clear conscience? They are done with her. They're like, we're not doing any more investigations. They had a doctor that had just finished residency and was going to open her own practice. And they said, yeah, Jones, she'd be a great addition to your uh, clinic. So that way they get rid of her. And now she's talking someone else's problem. So she leaves and she takes a, pish- a position at that pediatrician's office in uh, Careville, Texas. And it's about 60 miles northwest of San Antonio. So she's about an hour away. They don't have to deal with her. And like I said, she was working at a brand new pediatric clinic that that doctor had just opened. It was her first time being out on her own. And in the first month of that clinic being open, seven patients stopped breathing, had seizures, and had to be hospitalized, like emergently. In a month. And you're like, you're just a fucking doctor's office. Like, I come for a cold. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But nobody notices. So Chelsea McKellen was a 14-month-old who was brought into the clinic for her routine immunizations. Janine, she was the one who was giving the injection. And immediately after she gave the baby her immunization, the baby had a seizure. And then they rushed the baby to San Antonio in an ambulance. And on the way, Dr. Holland is following the ambulance in her car because she's freaking out like this poor baby. And the ambulance pulls over and she jumps out. The baby had went into cardiac arrest and they were doing resuscitative efforts and CPR. And so she got into the ambulance and is trying to get this baby back and she dies. Somehow nobody's noticing that so many of those babies that are treated by her have, you know, cardiac arrest and seizures, things like that. At the funeral, because more fucking batshit craziness. Mrs. McClellan, Chelsea's mom, she screamed and fainted and her relatives kind of sent her to like get a psychiatric help. You know, she just lost her baby. She was kind of in a haze from the meds, but it still didn't help with her grief. So a week after the funeral, she goes to the cemetery to see her daughter and as she approaches the grave, Janine Jones is there. No. Yes, She's kneeling at the foot of Chelsea's grave, sobbing and screaming the child's name over and over. She's rocking back and forth. She looks like she's in like super deep anguish, almost as if Chelsea had been her daughter. Um, Chelsea's mom is like, what the hell are you doing here? And she thought to herself, did this nurse feel guilty about her role in Chelsea's death? (laughs) She thought to herself, did the nurse feel guilty about her role in Chelsea's death? Perhaps she had neglected to do something that had made that difference. So like even the mom's like, well, maybe she, you know, should have done something better. When she says that to her, Jones just looks at her like a completely like blank stare and she got up and walked away. When she was gone, Chelsea's mom looks down and notices that Jones had left like a little thing of flowers but she had taken a bow from her grave. They had put like one of her like hair bows down on the grave and she fucking took it. Ah, and the souvenir collecting begins. Right? So with Dr. Holland having all of those cardiac arrests and things, the police start investigating. Like these parents are like, what the fuck? They're originally looking at the doctor because they're like, it's your practice. You know what's going on, right? She is going through the office and she's trying to like, See what's going on, you know, to protect herself. Nurse Jones tells her, Oh, you know how I lost that bottle of succinylcholine in the hospital. So I ordered a new bottle. Well, I found the bottle. So now we have two. And she was like, You didn't tell me you lost that bottle. She's like, Yes, I did. You must have forgot. So she go. the doctor goes and like looks at both the bottles and she sees that one of them has two puncture marks. So it's like a little vial of medicine and the top has like a rubber stopper on it. And so to draw up medicine, you stick a needle in it, pull it out because it's like multi use. So they had never used it at the clinic. So why would it have two needle punctures? So contents. Oh, also it was in a locked storage closet that only her and Janine had access to. So the contents of that full bottle were later found to be heavily diluted with water, and it was estimated that only about 20% of the vial was actually drug. The rest of it was water. It's a paralytic, so it causes paralysis of all your skeletal muscles, so like your diaphragm. It's used as part of general anesthetics. A patient can't breathe while they're under the influence of this drug, but if they're you know under anesthesia, they're on a vent and they're being bred breathing for them, so you don't need it. But in small children. Children, cardiac arrest is the result. And they went ahead and exhumed Chelsea's body and tested her tissues and it was caused by that muscle relaxant. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So at the same time, when she first starts at this clinic, Jones is telling other nurses that she wants to create a pediatric ICU in Careville. The other nurses are like, There's not that many seriously ill children. And the few that are, we just drive them to San Antonio. And so she tells them they're out there. All you have to do is find them or, you know, make them. There's about to be (laughs) so many sick kids. What a psycho. So in
1: 1985...
0: She's finally sentenced to 99 years in prison for killing Chelsea McClellan and then later that year she's also sentenced to a concurrent term of 60 years for almost killing Rolando Santos with heparin. In May of 2016 she's still at the same Lane Murray unit of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice and she had been scheduled for a mandatory release due to a Texas law meant to prevent prison overcrowding. So they were like, fuck no, we don't want her being released. So they indicted her on the murder of 11-month-old Joshua Sauer, and they stated that additional charges could be filed in the deaths of the other children. So due to that mandatory early release law, she would otherwise have been released just because she completed a third of her sentence. So the, really the only reason they're filing these charges is to keep her in prison. So in April of 2018, a judge denied the request to dismiss the five new murder indictments, And on January 16th, 2020, she pled guilty to the murder of 11 month old Joshua Sauer. And as part of a plea deal with the other four charges of murder were dropped and she was sentenced to life in prison and she will not be eligible for parole until she is 87 years old. And I just think like how many of those poor freaking babies would still be alive if these hospitals had done an actual investigation or even stopped fucking giving her, you know, recommendations. Yeah. I mean, I like,
1: yeah, I mean, I don't know. How do you, how do you say like, don't hire this person? There's been a lot of suspicious <laughs> deaths on our her, on her ships. Like, I guess you can't really say that either, but I just, you know, this is why like, this is a little controversial, but I mean, there was no security systems back then. There weren't like cameras the way that there are now. And so like, yeah, people could get away with a lot of weird shit. If you're the only pediatric nurse on the overnight
0: shift who's there to watch you or
1: whatever like who what like are there I know there's a lot of like
0: laws around like healthcare and HIPAA and all
1: that like are there cameras in hospitals there
0: are ER like the ER has a ton I'm not sure about peds I assume they do at least the hallways and when I worked labor and delivery the hallways had cameras in case of like kidnapping or something like that Yeah. That seems to be a
1: big concern in hospitals. When I, when I went to visit my sister, when she had my niece, just, uh, you know, within the last two years, there was a lot of like security to get into visit and then even to be buzzed out and like, are people still kidnapping babies at
0: a high rate? Like, is that a thing? Well, I feel like the thing, it's like family. Oh yeah. maybe It's like, you know, dad doesn't have custody or, you know, dad finds out it's not his baby or like Weird shit like that, I think is... I don't think random people are just going in the hospital and taking babies, but that used to be a thing, right? Yeah. Like, that used to be a thing when they kept all in those babies in that one room
1: <laughs> in the nursery, right? Yeah. Interesting. I, You know, I never thought about it, like, from that perspective,
0: but that makes sense. And, like, medicine is in, like, it's called an omni-cell, and it's this big, giant cabinet, and you have to scan your badge, you have to put in your fingerprint, and then you pick what patient you're going to, and you can only pull meds that have been ordered for that patient. So you don't have, like, this open access of, oh, here, let me grab some heparin or oh, here, let me grab this. You can only grab specifically what that patient's supposed to get, which I mean, you could still swap it or something and, you know, save it for later, I guess. But for the most part, it's fairly difficult.
1: Yeah. I mean, at least it's a better tracking system than here's a cabinet that everybody walks by. Yeah,
0: Yeah, just open, take whatever you need. Yeah, exactly.
1: Wow. Okay. Heavy, heavy, heavy. But that, uh, she's... Nurse Jones has been,
0: uh, you know, that's been a pretty big story for a long time. Um, And I forgot too. So like I said, I was reading the book Deadly Medicine. It was by Kelly Moore and Dan Reed. And then she actually has two episodes. So if you go watch Forensic Files, it is season five, episode 10. It's called Nursery Crimes. And then if you have Discovery Plus, they have that show Deadly Women. And season two, episode four is called Dark Secrets. And they cover her on there as well. Wow! Yeah, that's cool. That's good information, right? People can go. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: I also am going to be talking about uh, some deadly nurses. I just I want to point out that a lot of I feel like kind of a lot of the stories that you hear most often are about like these the women nurses that kill. But in my research, I found out like there are a lot of male nurses that are like serial
0: killers. I had saw that too. I was like, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. I just, I never, I, I don't know. I just, you don't really think, I don't know if that's that
0: association that there aren't that many male nurses. I think there or, really aren't that many male nurses. Well, the ones that are out there. Seem to be <laughs> right. Killers. Yikes. Get it together. Well, male nurses. Yeah. All right. Maybe not every male nurse, but yeah, I was really surprised by how many
1: stories I found of uh, male nurses versus female nurses. So, so going into my story, uh, my story is going to be about the Lane's angels of death. That's what they were called L A I N Z. And this took place uh, in Lane's Vienna. So we are in Europe or across the pond. <laughs> Um, And so this was actually, this is really unusual as well, because this was a group of four women who were nursing assistants in the 1980s in Vienna, and they have been, they were accused of killing upwards of 40 individuals, but the actual number that after all the investigation kind of wrapped up, they believe that it was actually closer to 200 people. Wow. Yeah. So in 1983, well, let me give you the name. I want to give you the names of all of the people involved. So you had uh, Waltrude Wagner, Irene Ladoff, Maria Gruber, and Stefiana Meyer. I may have butchered some of those names because, well, just two of them they're Austrian. So in 1983, Wagner, who was 23 years old at the time, she kills a patient first. She was the first one to kind of do this. And she did this with an overdose of morphine. She really likes the rush that she gets from this kind of being able to play God and take somebody's life and having that power in her hands. She kind of gets with these other two women, uh, Gruber and laidoff at the time they were 19 and 21 so everybody's still you know it's pretty young they get together they and then eventually they recruit um they call her the house mother of the group and that would be uh Stefiana Meyer and she was the oldest of the group at 43 at the time
0: so how the hell do you broach the subject with someone <laughs> it's like that TikTok where you're like are you are you are you I go back and forth because how do you know? And then what if you ask the wrong person and they're like, wow, that's fucked up. I'm going to go report you.
1: Right, like I, I mean, I've known you for 25 years, but I don't know that I would ever be like, hey, you know that guy in Bed C? Don't you just want to kill him with me? Like, I don't know. Like, how do you say that? You're right. Yeah, <laughs> how do you bring that up? But she must have just, she must have been very um, convincing that this was the right thing to do because she managed to get three other women on board, and these were women that had, you know, been two of them were young, but but Stefiana had been in the nursing world for, you know. Pretty much all of her adult life um so it's very interesting that they kind of had all gone into this as nurses to help people and then or were so willing to just be like yeah let's Let's kill people now. They all get together and they they kind of invent their own murder method. So one of them would hold the victim's head and pinch their nose. So they would stand behind them and kind of hold them down and pinch their nose. And then one or two of the other women would like hold the victim's mouth open and pour water, basically to and like get fluid into the. They lung. drown is what you're doing. is you're just forcing water down and making... There's no other way. This person just inhales and they inhale water. And so because they really targeted the elderly, having fluid in the lungs wasn't necessarily unusual. And it was really hard to
0: prove that it hadn't just accumulated there from natural causes. Or even like aspiration. Like when you, you know, eat and swallow and you're old and your stuff doesn't work right. And then you just breathe it into your lungs. Right.
1: And also because they they kind of got together. And then although they were killing, you know, older patients that were feeble, these weren't terminally ill patients. These weren't people that were necessarily going to die that day. When, and if they weren't using the drowning method, they were um, using morphine. And so they would just inject the patient with an overdose of morphine. I will
0: say if you're going to kill me, could you please do it with an OD of morphine? You'd feel great, go to sleep, and then just not wake up. That's the way to go. I don't want to <laughs> fucking drown. Give me the morphine.
1: So, okay, so yeah, so they're, they're killing people left and right. You got this group of nurses. Eventually, like, things start getting a little suspicious. Other, and especially because they're not full-blown nurses, they're, like, nursing assistants. And so other people are starting to pay attention and notice, like, there's a lot of people dying that shouldn't necessarily be dying. I had
0: forgot you said that they were, like, CNAs. So now I wonder, it was probably really fucking hard to get morphine. So that's probably why they had to switch over to the drowning. Maybe. I mean, yeah. Like, I don't know what hospitals
1: in Vienna in the 80s were like, but yeah, maybe it was getting more difficult. Investigators end up coming to investigate the hospital after uh, a 1988 death. One of the family members reports it, that they feel really that it's suspicious and they wanted to investigate it. The hospital is not cooperative. Like, what's up with that? (laughs) And so, uh, you know, then the hospital starts getting um, criticized for really kind of stonewalling the investigation and just not letting the investigators do their job. Eventually, all four of the women were caught because they decided to go out one night and it was after a death. They end up at this local tavern and they're literally like bragging about the latest murder in this, you know, crowded bar. It was a, it, you know, it was a tavern that like the, the local doctors and nurses would all go to. And so it's not, you know, they weren't even like in a different town or anything. <laughs> they're like down the street from work. Yeah. So they're bragging about it. And this doctor overhears them and ends up turning them in. In total, they confessed to 49 murders over six years. But like I said, after the investigations wrapped, they really felt that it could have been upward of. 200 individuals that they killed. And so they go through a trial process. And in 1991, the kind of the ringleader, uh, Wagner, she was 32 at the time. So she was convicted, her and lead off were convicted of life in prison for murder. Meyer and Gruber both received 20 years for manslaughter and attempted murder. So I think they I This did happen in the 80s. I did some research. There were still some news articles, but they didn't really talk about, because again, this was happening in Vienna. There there wasn't a whole lot of information about who did what. Uh, But I think from the charges, we can deduce that probably uh, Mayer and Gruber maybe like held down the patients and didn't actually, you know, or maybe they just helped secure the medication, but didn't administer the morphine. Well, and I was
0: thinking too that, If you cop a plea, you get lesser charges. So I wonder if they were like, oh, yeah, it was totally her. Here's what happened. And then pled down. Right. I mean, yeah, that could have totally
1: been a thing as well. Yeah. So everybody was convicted in 1991. So in 2008, the Austrian government announced that they would be releasing Wagner and Ladoff. Again, you know, like good behavior, I guess. And the accomplices, Gruber and Mayer, that had been convicted of the lesser charges, they had been released a few years prior. They didn't give an exact release year, but they just said a few years prior. None of these women really fulfilled their sentencing. And not only were they released, but they were also all given new identities so that they could start their lives over again. And that was um, from the Austrian government. And people were like, people were upset. Like, people were really upset about first them being released, and then that they would go ahead and, you know, give them new identities so that they could continue to, you know, like just live their lives after killing so many people. There was, a, there was actually even like, you know, talk about the legislature being changed because Austrians were like questioning whether the sentencing system was harsh enough for people. It didn't really seem like they were getting getting the punishment that they they thought they would <laughs> that they deserved. So in in one article, a bookkeeper by the name of Anna Reich had quoted that it's inhumane and immoral to execute a killer, but it's not fair to their victims' loved ones when a killer can look forward to a nice life outside of prison. And I think that kind of like I think that really sums it up is that like I don't want to be I don't want to judge you to the point that like I can say whether or not you should die like I don't but also you shouldn't just be able to get on with your life in a regular manner yeah there should be consequences going forward absolutely and part of the other reason why people were so outraged about them being released was that there's a lot of weird shit that happens in Austria you know in the early 2000s they were still kind of recovering from the... joseph fritzel thing that had happened he was Was that the one on the island well yeah that he had kept his daughter in prison for 24 years and that had you know she had a bunch of kids children together and one of them had died and you know so like that had happened that happened in austria and then in 2006 an an 18 year old woman escaped from the cell where like another kidnapper had had her confined for like eight and a half years there's a there's interesting crimes that happen in austria and i think uh with the release of these four women they were really questioning whether or not their justice system is actually holding people accountable and I really thought that was interesting all four angels of death at this point have been released and are out uh living new lives under new aliases
0: and identities I wonder if they're like allowed to go back and be CNAs because you have a new identity
1: yeah but I would I mean let's hope that the government isn't (laughs) Is smarter than that right.
0: but yeah you gave them new names like here let's go apply we'll do it again
1: i think if they're going to be released they should just be forced to stay at home and be like data processors for like really boring numbers or something they
0: have to call fucking cold call people
1: <laughs> be a telemarketer that's the worst punishment right oh uh, so yeah so interesting interesting
0: killer killer nurses today all right I know we didn't talk about it, but I was thinking for our next episode, how do you feel if we do cults? Ooh,
1: yes. I lo- I'm all about the cults. Let's talk about the cults.
0: Awesome. That should be good.
1: I promise I won't, uh, I, I won't do a, another Charles Manson story. I won't pick the family or that family. A lot of cults call themselves a family. Did you know that? Yeah,
0: I was actually watching. It's called like The Evil Beside Me or something yesterday. And it's about people who like one of the girls, her husband, I mean, her brother, he uh, went and shot up the mall in Ohio in 2007. And so they just talk about like growing up with them and how they had been. And one of them was about a cult and they all left their lives and sold their houses and everything to just come live. And I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand that you're just like, Oh, look, here's some random guy and he's telling me this then. Oh yeah. That's totally how it is. Let's go. And you just follow them.
1: I think, I mean, I've never met somebody that has that kind of charisma, right? That's what, that's what they talk about with any kind of weird cult, leader is like the magnetic charisma and I think you and I lived lives where we just we can see through the bullshit well
0: and also I think too a lot of them have like that religious bend to them and so neither of us are religious at all so you could you know any random person's like oh I'm Jesus follow me and we'd be like "Hmm, piss off right so I think that's the thing too that they get caught up in like the religious and we're the only ones who will be saved
1: well there's a lot I mean there's a lot of psychology behind it right and this is uh oh, this is going to be so fun to talk about. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that the psychology piece, what, you know, pulls people in, what keeps people there, what makes them want to leave. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for being with us as we talked about killer nurses. We are at the number 2 girlsinacampfire.com. Find us on social media.
0: What's the other thing? <laughs> Go rate, review, subscribe on whatever uh, podcast app you listen to. That's really helpful. Do you have any crazy nursing stories? You can send them to us. Our uh, email address is two girls in a campfire at gmail. Or any of your weird stories. Do you have Bigfoot stories? I'm down for those. Yes.
1: I, and also I do believe there is a, if you are listening to us on Spotify or anchor, I do believe that you can go to our two girls in a campfire anchor page and actually just input a question right there. You don't even have to email us. Oh, awesome. So if you have a question, if you have a story you want to share, check us out, yeah. drop us some, uh, drop us some lines. All right. Well, I hope everybody has an excellent day and doesn't need to go to the hospital or see a nurse.
0: Stay safe. (laughs) See you around around the the campfire. campfire. Also, I just realized I don't know that yours is actually evil. So if so, I can go back and fix that and chat. I was like, as I was saying, I was like, well, what if this is a (laughs) killer one? Shit. So, okay. Yeah, so we'll fix that one. Of course, it's evil.